0: This episode of the Beauté by Abig podcast is brought to you by Murad Australia. Hello and welcome to the Beauté by Abig podcast, your online support community for the aesthetic and beauty industry. Here we are strengthening and unifying the industry through representation, innovation and education. This is a platform created and dedicated to the aesthetic and beauty industry, valuing unity and advancement. We serve to represent, support and inspire you by connecting you with industry experts, expanding your knowledge through educational pieces and bringing you the latest industry news. This is Bute by ABIC. host, Stephanie Miller, and today's guest is Emma Hindmarsh from Murad Australia. Since arriving on Sydney's Northern Beaches 14 years ago, Emma has worked with major Australian retailers, department stores, pharmacies, e-tailers, grocery businesses, and Pure Play cosmetic enterprises. She's nurtured businesses, propelled innovation, and launched brands across the globe and across sales channels. Her latest role as General Manager for Murad Skincare Australia has seen Emma wearing all of the hats. Initially running every channel and customer touchpoint for Murad Australia, she has since appointed a team of skilled professionals to take over implementation, leaving her free to build strategy, identify partnerships, and accelerate a profitable business, achieving the elusive break-even, three years in advance of plan. Emma is passionate about sharing her insights with salon partners to identify actionable steps to building a memorable brand and financially viable business models through branding, wording and the consistency of your message. Here to talk about elevating your game in the business of professional skincare, from Murad, Australia, today we welcome... Emma Hindmarsh. Welcome to the podcast, Emma. I'm so excited to have you on today.
1: I'm excited to be here too. Thanks for having me back.
0: Well, we, you are super fun. We were talking about this before. We're going to have a good old fun conversation today, but we're going to be talking about so much learning for business owners out there and people that actually want to start their own business. But Emma, for those of you out there that haven't heard your story before, please tell us all about yourself your background and how you came to be in the beauty and aesthetic industry.
1: Yes, when I was at um, school, I decided I really wanted to do languages. And the reason I wanted to do them was not because I was great at picking them up. It was because it gave me an opportunity to communicate with more people. And also I was quite good at the accents. So you might find me going off into some crazy accents here and there. In the UK, you generally don't study what you're going to do unless it's law or teaching or whatever. Um, And so I studied languages at university, came out knowing how to do nothing other than talk to people. (laughs) This is an interesting one for you. As part of one of my little um, moments abroad. I was in France working at Disneyland Paris. You're going to love it. And I started off working in questionnaires. So literally as you walked into the park, I'd be there saying, where did you come from today? How many people are you with? Did you drive? Did you come in the car? Did you come on a train? Did you fly here? Which country do you come from? Blah, blah, blah. So that they could understand a little bit more about their consumers or their visitors. Anyway, I hated it, absolutely hated it. So as soon as I could, I got myself into the office. And so I was doing the analysis of all of the um, questionnaires that they were doing to understand people's experience within the parks. Um, And every day, by the way, I went on a roller coaster without, like that was my one thing, it was non-negotiable, I'm going on a roller coaster. Anyway, so I came out of my degree with a degree in languages, French, German, Spanish, knowing how to do nothing other than Analyze a bit of data. Um, So I went into recruitment and then from there I tried to apply for every single company. I applied to L'Oreal in the UK. Um, They happened to have a maternity position that came up for a role in their uh, market research team in their luxury products division. and there was me and another candidate who was actually a market research professional, but she was very timid and very shy. And so they thought they needed somebody who's going to be able to get this job done. Okay. So that's how I first came into the cosmetics business. I was working on Lancôme, so I was doing a lot of um, skin care there obviously more retail-based skincare. And then I moved into color cosmetics, I moved into fragrance, I did gift with purchase, I did all sorts of things. Um, moved on to a brand called Biotherm, which is an incredible skincare brand, um, a pharmacy brand in France. And that's where I really discovered my love of skin because we talked to how the skin functions and we talked to what ingredients were doing and we talked about hydration specifically. Um, So roll on through my experience, went to work for a number of different companies, moved over to Australia, worked back at Biotherm in Australia, or Biotherm, as they say in French, and then um, moved from that into professional hair care. So this is where I got my business-to-business experience, so working with hairdressers and understanding what is different about their business versus that kind of consumer marketing piece. From there, I then moved into retail hair care which I hated because all it was about in terms of a marketing gig was can I get that end aisle end promo space in Kohl's can I get a buy one get one free hated it and then a role came up at Dermalogica which was for their marketing manager as a maternity cover I had business-to-business experience. I had skincare experience. And so it was a no-brainer that I would come in and do that role. As I started in that role, Murad decided they were going to be launching into Australia. And they asked me, would you like to take on the role? And that, again, complete no-brainer because skincare plus lifestyle. And I've always suffered with um, adult acne. I have polycystic ovaries, which impacts my skin. And therefore, um, the lifestyle aspect of Murad where we talk to four pillars of wellness, rather than just putting um, product on your face, um, really spoke to me. And then also having that, again, professional side to the business, which was really very clinical in its approach. And um, our founder is a dermatologist and a pharmacist. So that really spoke to me in terms of having that expertise that you can bring into the skincare space. So um, Roundabout started off, not knowing anything from my degree to becoming the general manager of Murad in Australia.
0: The country director?
1: General manager now. General
0: manager on Journey. Emma, wow. And, you know, it all started with communication. It all started with, and really, if you think about that, that is the fundamentals of everything that we do. Without communication, you don't have anything, and you're an expert in communication, and we can tell because the way that you speak is so eloquent and and fun and lively and you can imagine how that career progression sort of evolved into what it is now and and the incredible work you're doing with Murad uh, I tell you what it's it's really stand out I always watch you know watch what you guys do and think oh they do it so well they they communicate so well they speak with their audience so well they're so engaging how do they do that and today you're here to talk to us all about business and communication and, and, and succeeding and success. And I think you've got a business success checklist, don't you?
1: We do. Yes, we do.
0: I love the sound of that. I mean, oh, goodness me. Uh, I, I'm like really wanting to delve into that. But before we do, let's just talk a little bit about the beauty world. How do you see what the highs and lows of our industry are right now? Tell us how you see the beauty world.
1: Um, Well, I think it's a wild ride, particularly at the moment. And really, for me, the only constant that there is within the world of beauty is that there's constant evolution. Everything's changing. The landscape varies so much. Um, There are new brands, new technologies, new ingredients that come on the scene, um, as well as new ways of talking to our consumers and engaging them and treating them. Um, And so I think that we're in a space where um, consumer trends are really important Um, Economic conditions are really important. And we're right in the thick of that right now as we speak. This week, the latest interest rate rise, you know, boom. It just feels like we're kind of in this nervous space of who knows what's going on. Anyway, we at Murad tend to do things a little bit differently. So we have a beautiful way of talking about things. We don't talk about skin concerns, we talk about skin goals. So what I might do is talk about those highs and lows of what's going on in the industry. Start off with the lows so that you all know that it's not all depressing, we're coming to the highs. Um, So I guess the the biggest thing has been the pandemic, which we all know had a huge impact, particularly in our industry where so many people lost their livelihood. Um, We had closures for so long within a lot of the states in Australia. And so it still does have a big impact on where we are and how we're um, being able to grow our own businesses. But then what it also does is it's had a massive impact on consumers and how we work and um, what we do in our daily lives. And the really crushing thing is that um, so many businesses did lose their livelihood and disproportionately women within our um, space, right, which is just awful. However... It has also meant that there's been a big surge in the practice of dermatology and nurse injectors. And so people are setting up those even smaller niche businesses that are really kind of growing our industry. And so what it's meant is that there's a real upskill within the industry. Um, And I think that it gives a lot of opportunity for education streams to become more important and for people to really learn how to service their clients in a much better way. So I guess another low was that disruption to in-store purchase, which was a big deal for us. However, we're seeing a massive swing the other way now. So um, people have really embraced the culture of digital for research and they now understand a lot more about products. So instead of um, you having to be the sole source of education for your client, they have the internet already. But they are purchasing in store and they really want that tactile, face-to-face, hands-on-face moment that is really going to impact their lives. I think the other thing that the pandemic has done and us being so isolated is that it's given rise to a lot more skin conditions and allergies. Um, So bad on an individual level, but really great because people can niche down into those areas and really give um, education and understanding as to why those things are happening and then be able to solve those issues as well. We as a company saw supply chain disruptions, which were wild. Obviously the knock on from that has been increased costs, Raw materials haven't been available and therefore costs have risen, which I think is another way that as beauty professionals, we really need to offer additional to the service that gives more value to our consumers and to our clients so that we can um, really kind of inspire that, that next level of service. Um, anyway, talking about the highs. So those are the lows. I know I gave a few highs within there as well.
0: Oh, you did. You mixed them in nicely.
1: Yeah. So moving on to the highs. So as I mentioned, in-store experience is king. And people live for those real small moments of connection. And I think that that's um, much easier to deliver in person than online. You know, you can have a personality online. But what really comes across is when you have that physical contact with somebody. And even if it's just a phone call, it's so much more than... Um, just an online piece. So what I think is that we really need to drive that experience so that everyone who walks through your door is getting that consistent experience and understanding of what you're offering to them. And that will really keep them coming back. So clients are also really tech savvy. They understand what is going on. They understand technology. They hear about technologies, which before they never would have done, right? Like, as a as a consumer, I would never have known what radio frequency was. I would never have known about PRP. But because we are now having those conversations, the the power stands in the the client's hands, and you can then offer them additional information and kind of be that um, yes and no person between oh that's the myth busted type thing
0: mm, and they um, guide if you will.
1: Exactly, exactly their guide. And I think that that has always been the case. But I feel like it's even more so now because they do have that extra bit of information and they do have that extra understanding. You are still the expert. And I think that you can really drive that within.
0: I think that what it does is it excites the consumer. People think, oh, no, it's not a great thing because... They already know so much and they know what they don't want. Actually, they know a whole bunch of stuff that's excited them. So they come in yes, this and what's that? And, oh, I want to find out about what this particular treatment can do. And you have the ability to then kind of funnel that excitement into the right direction and is the right treatment program for them. They're already primed.
1: Yeah. And I think that there have been um, some great businesses that have launched that are specific to those areas. So as an example, um, cold therapy is everywhere at the moment. And so I think people understand that. And there have been a lot of businesses pop up with these kind of cold immersions a lot of businesses pop up with needling and so as people start to understand the benefit to their skin they ask the expert who they know what about skin needling for me and so that again is a way that you can upskill in your own business to kind of really give that expertise and service that people want plus then the results which we're all obviously looking for So I think that the other piece is that there's been a lot of advancement in technology. So while we had issues with raw ingredients that weren't available, what we've had to do is adapt and create advancements in technology. So on a personal level, at Murad, we have an incredible new encapsulation technology that we're using for our latest product, which is called Retinol Resculpt. And what that does is encapsulates with a pharmaceutical technology retinol so it's not free retinol on your skin it's not going to cause irritation it's going to get down to the part of the skin where it needs to go and really help to stimulate that collagen um, and elastin to make sure that you're getting the best results without the downtime so although it was an issue that we couldn't get hold of raw ingredients because of that as a necessity we've had to create more technologies that really drive so and i think that that's a real high for us Um, I think sustainability, inclusion has been a really big impact of um, the last few years, which is incredible because um, we know as women and um, quite often marginalized women within this industry, it's great to be able to put the power back in your hands and really recognize you as an expert. Um, So I think that that's great. I think as well, there's a lot that's going on at the moment about, I mean, I guess it could be a low, but I think of it as a high, about this kind of regulation where things are becoming ever more regulated. I know that that's a big thing for ABIC as well, that you see regulation as a great impact for our industry because it just means that we're going to set our standards ever higher um, and people aren't going to have that same bad experience that they used to have because regulation keeps us accountable. And I think that there are a lot of technology companies that have cropped up because of that, which make things so great. The other thing, which is a big thing for Murad and a great big high five for me, is that self-care is really on the rise. So people as consumers really understand what self-care means. We have talked about self-care since doctors started consulting 50 years ago, he launched his company in 1989 and he's always talked to wellness. He's always talked to self-care. And I think that as people start to come around to that, the impact that it has on their lives and on their skin is dramatic. So for me, that's again, another big piece to the puzzle and a big tick as far as I'm concerned. So those are my rambly highs and lows for you.
0: Gosh, I love that. You know, I love it when I have a guest on that's so in touch with what's happening out there um, obviously, that's a big part of ABIC. We, we identify trends, we help businesses um, in our space to excel and succeed. And that's really like trying to get the crystal ball out and see what's going to happen in the future, how can we guide and to have a member such as yourself who is so forward thinking that that's what you do for your, for your clients, your, you know, your stockists and your partners. That is so beautiful to know that you actually direct a lot of your energy to, to that area. Yeah. We were talking about the, I, you know, you, you kept talking on like the highs and lows. How do we apply that in our business? You know, how do we get the most out of what's happening in the trends right now? Um, and you're talking about that business checklist. What do you think of the three, I suppose, most standout most important components when it comes to business success
1: I think that what we forget very often not only in the beauty industry but everywhere is that we are all entrepreneurs Mm. and we all own our own brand so I own the Emma brand you own the Steph brand and um, you know whoever we are we're constantly building that brand so I talked about you know, my experience from uni through to where I am today, that's all been about branding myself and looking at my career as an entrepreneurial pathway. So I think that even if you are Um, the most junior member of a clinic team, you still own your own brand and you can have people queuing out the door for the experience that you're offering. And that drives such expertise within the industry. So um, I think that that's one of the big things. My, My three, I guess, most important components to answer the question more succinctly, the business owner, I think is a really important part because for a business to thrive, It just doesn't require a good location, which I think in the past it did. It doesn't just need a beautiful clinic. It needs vision. It needs a desire to upskill, a desire to build the industry, and a desire for excellence. And so I think the biggest thing that you need as a business owner is tenacity, because to pull all of those things together and to keep them top of mind with your team is huge. And you know this, Steph, obviously with your own business. Um, but when you have a vision, the rest is just execution. And I know I say the rest is just execution. <laughs> the rest. And that's often the that's space that we trip up in, right? But I think that if you have that vision and you can continue driving it and get people on board with it, whether it be your staff or your customers, I think that you really have a winning piece. And that tenacity to make it happen is just so important. Plus, when you have the vision – and driven through that person. Your socials are informed by it. Your um, physical space is informed by it. Your client interactions are all informed by it. So the the vision really does drive it all. And that person that owns the vision is the one that's the big driver. So secondly, and this kind of links in the people, so staff, suppliers, um, and clients. So it's kind of the magical trifecta, I guess, of what we're looking for. And we all know that it's easier said than done. Again, (laughs) execution, easy trifecta of clients, staff, um, product um, companies, not easy to get those all right. But once you do, you're in this magical space, right? Um, and I think that they are really the three cornerstones to any business. So staff, drive your brand image. And if they are, again, owning their own entrepreneurial journey, then that's where they're going to really succeed and succeed for you. Um, your suppliers will really help to retain staff by giving that extra education, by inspiring them, by delivering impeccable results with the products that they have to offer. And I could talk for a whole episode on education, re-education, further education. But um, yeah, I think from a supplier perspective, you can really lean on them for that. And then clients, if you make their experience worthwhile, are your gemstone, right? They're the ones that are going to talk to their friends they're going to recommend you they're going to talk about the experience that they've had the results that people see on their skin are going to talk for themselves so I think that as long as you remain consistent in that vision and also in the experience then that's where your clients can really be again a gemstone for you and then finally I think the brand and when I talk about the brand I don't mean the logo that you choose or the bags that you use or the brand that you're working with or the products that you're using What I'm talking about is creating this unique identity and experience. And I think, as I mentioned before, experience is king. That is what branding is now. It's kind of all encompassing. Um, How do clients book their appointments? How do they confirm appointments? How do you welcome your clients in? What's your consultation process? Um, And by the way, at Murad, we're creating a, a very old school way of consulting with clients, which is, very much about um, the clinical aspect of our brand. And it's all about checking on um, blood pressure, pre and post treatment. Um, And you see a dramatic decrease in blood pressure when you've had a treatment, um, because as part of our protocols, we also use um, acupressure, we use drainage techniques, which really relax people as well as giving them that clinical treatment.
0: Have you seen the Murad Ingredients Plus logo and wondered what it's all about? Well, wonder no more! Murad is founded by a board-certified dermatologist who is also a pharmacist. The team blend precise formulations, working with actives and combining them with ingredients and technologies to deliver transformational results. Ingredients plus encapsulation Ingredients plus formulation ingredients, plus sensorials. All of these pluses add up to deliver jaw-dropping results. Backed by science and formulated for total skin health, Murad has the unrivaled back bar products plus transformative home care products that you and your clients have been searching for. Mention ABIC when you place an opening order of over $2,000 to receive three of their best-selling retinal Resculpt overnight treatments for free. That's an incredible $510 at recommended retail value. Visit murad.com.au and register your interest in becoming a clinic partner today.
1: So we're kind of we've come full circle. We're not doing this kind of quick fix anymore. We're doing much more of a whole person approach to our consultation process. And if you can embrace things like that within your clinic, then that is what is really going to drive who you are and the experience that people are um, looking for. And I guess as a little aside to this, um, as a customer as a client i find the retail side of things so we don't talk about retailing at Murad we we talk about educating and if i go somewhere and have a treatment and somebody doesn't recommend products to me at the end i find that that's negligent because i need the upkeep even if it's just telling me i need to wear an spf after i've had an invasive treatment i feel like that's an extension of the service you offer it's not retailing it's not a dirty word it's not salesy it's just offering a service to your clients and it's something that they want to know from you the expert so there are a whole lot of branding options um but what i think the the easiest way for you to understand what you want to do in your clinic is just to go to somebody and experience start to finish that whole treatment process yourself and you can nitpick you can say oh i didn't like the way they said hello i didn't like the bed that they used i didn't like where they they told me throw your clothes on a chair throw them on the floor they didn't give me a space for my shoes like go through that whole experience and understand how you can implement better and drive for excellence within your own treatment and clinic environment so yeah i guess people branding and the business owner are like the key things for me
0: Wow, you've just given us a complete lesson. I think so much information, yeah, and valuable information too. Imple- information that we can actually go off and, and implement, which is honestly very rare. Emma, you know, to get that type of detail um, just in a in a short spurt. I think uh, you, I've just madly taken notes, and I'm the host, so I can imagine everybody listening in thinking, "Wow, my mind's just blown." you were talking about education I think you mentioned education probably about six times through that whole conversation yeah it it must be such an important part of the Murad experience and and your own personal philosophy what role like let's really get in deep what role is education and specifically you were talking about upskilling play in beauty and aesthetics
1: yeah so I think for me it's one of the biggest things so it probably half comes into that three most important things, which I talked about anyway, like suppliers being able to offer you education, et cetera. For me, it's so important. And as I mentioned in the highs and lows, there's been this general trend to upskilling. The number of people going in for dermal therapy um, education streams, as an example, has dramatically increased over the past few years. People are really wanting to show that expertise when it comes to the title that they have but also what they can offer to their clients. So as an example, Katie Bacon, who's who is our incredible um, sales and education manager at Murad, she is currently working through her aesthetics degree. So she has multiple degrees under her belt. And this is just another one because she has seen the need within the market to mix product with technology. And without having her um, dermal aesthetics degree, she doesn't she can't speak with authority on that. And I think that that's where education really comes into play because you can have hands-on experience, but until you have the title, people don't believe you. Um, And until you can speak with authority from what you have learnt, almost book learning, people don't really take notice. And so I think a certificate on the wall has so much power to it um, and i think the other thing is that there is so much um, dynamism that you can get to your business with education that it really keeps staff engaged and as i said gives them that expertise factor to clinics um, and to clients sorry so the other piece is that i think when we talk about education within the beauty industry quite often we think about it just as education of new modalities education of new technologies But actually, it can also be those soft skills. And I think that the soft skills are really important within our industry. There's something that are kind of glossed over in a lot of therapy and aesthetics courses these days, um, that kind of client experience. And I think as well, as I mentioned, the uprise of the nurse injector, they haven't necessarily had that um, client care experience. Yes, generally, they're from a nursing background, but that's a very healthcare experience space whereas when you come into this injector space people want to be treated as as somebody who's wanting that niceness right you don't just want to be injected and moved away you want to feel that it's been a nice experience and so those soft skills I think are really essential to a career in beauty as well so um, I think it gives you that trust factor it's an investment to show that this is the career that you're really leaning towards. So if you are looking to move into different businesses, then your new boss will understand actually they're really hot on what they need to be doing. And I think as well, it gives you an opportunity when you're, that inevitable question comes up of, oh, what have you been up to You know, with your clients? You can say, you don't just have to talk about, oh, you know, I took the kids to school or I, um, I've i been shopping at Aldi rather than Kohl's. <laughs> actually then go through this more um, in-depth conversation about how you are supporting them and how you are servicing them better with the education that you're taking part in. Um, So we don't call our team salespeople, we call them educators. And that's exactly how we engage with people. Everything is through education at Murad. um, And that can really be the difference between somebody feeling like they're being sold to and somebody feeling like that you're adding to their service experience so we are an ever-evolving industry and i feel like um if you don't move on with education then you get completely left behind Mm -hmm. education is really a big way to keep up um and keep driving the industry forward
0: Uh, you mentioned partners as a role, as a key role in education, you know, we partner with obviously supplier and brands such as yourself. You mentioned really leaning on your suppliers and that can be such a wonderful thing. If your supplier is focused on, as you were saying, education, yep. how important is it to really, this is a, a question that I've always thought about, to select the right partners for your business. And when you do, how do you get the most out of that relationship to yeah. benefit both your businesses?
1: So I think it's like a super important piece that quite often people gloss over because they think, oh, you know, it's just the product that I'm using. Mm. Everything that I'm doing from a service level is what is really important. And, you know, the modalities that I have, the the pieces of technology that I'm using, that's what's important. But actually this, the choice of product partner can really be the biggest impact to your reputation and the biggest impact to your bottom line, right? Because you're buying the, you're buying the technologies anyway. We know that they work. We know that they're great, but how you're going to use them alongside product and also how you're going to maximize your opportunity once your service is over is what delivers the difference between success and failure of a business. So It's really important to think about your overall vision, again, bringing it back to that, who's your business owner and what is your massive vision, because is it something that you're looking for an organic product range, or are you looking for a clinical product range, or are you looking for pure indulgence in your product range, Um, are you looking for products that deliver sensorials, or are you looking for visible results. And what is your aesthetic within a clinic environment? Do you love color or do you want something that's a little more beige, which is not a bad thing. I know that we all talk about beige as a bad thing these days, but... So I guess what you need to think about is the quality of the products that you're using. Is it going to deliver what your clients expect? Does it align with your vision for who you are? And then your product partner can help you meet the expectations that your clients are coming in with. And if you're with Murad, then um, we'll help you exceed those expectations. But I think what you really need to do when you're thinking about a product company is vet them for compliance and safety. You need to know that they cater to a whole raft of clinical needs, obviously dependent on what your clinic is really focusing on. Um, How do they deal with reactions? What's their return policy? What education do they they deliver so that you can deliver better outcomes for your clients? Um, Additionally, think about those margins and return on investment. So Um, The basics of how your business makes money, what is the cost per treatment, how much do they suggest that you charge per service, how does that product partner support you with education, because that is a really, really key piece, right. And as I mentioned, it can keep your staff engaged, it can keep you really delivering better outcomes to your clients. Um, What's the innovation channel for your product partner um, do they deliver regular promotions are they hot on socials do they deliver assets for you to use both in clinic and on your social channels? Um, how do they coach you in the use of those branding tools and how you should be talking to your clients about who you are um, so it's much more than just stock on shelf which I think a lot of people um, they fail to realize that actually it can be the make or break of your your business. And I guess the other piece is that in terms of maxing that relationship, you need to make sure that you get the vibe of who you're working with. Um, And at Murad, we have really open and honest communication with who we work with. And sometimes we say no, because you need to have the same vibe as the product company, right? And you are an extension of who they are as a brand. And they are an extension of who you are. So it's this mutually beneficial relationship where it's not just take the latest product. It's... How are they supporting you? What are they doing? And how do they fit with who you are? I think the other thing that you can do, which um, instead of thinking about sales calls, you request a regular touch base and you work at it as a business together. I think you need to have that open and honest dialogue with your sales rep or education consultant or whoever they call themselves in terms of their title. But they have had experience of many, many businesses going through some of the same issues that you might be experiencing, and therefore they can create some solutions for you. And solutions are very, rarely simple, which we always know, but knowledge is power. Um, My mum used to say to me that applied knowledge is power. Applied knowledge, I like that. Applied knowledge is power. So it's not just knowledge. And that's where your product partner can have that knowledge that you can then apply to your business, which again might be that kind of make or break. Um, and then I think as well, um, instead of hiding, you know, reactions or bad experiences with products, I think collating that information and sharing it with your product partner is really important because it can drive positive review on social if you're having great experiences and if you're having some maybe more negative experiences you can get your product partner to really partner with you to understand if somebody's using the product incorrectly or if it's been being layered incorrectly or how you can negate those um, reactions potentially that might happen in clinic so i think that yeah the vibe that you have with your rep is so important And then as I've mentioned, all of those other raft of things that you need to think about before you make your decision into product company are like that is your checklist.
0: I love how you mentioned vibe. I don't think anyone's ever come on the podcast and said you need to vibe with that company. And I love the fact that you've said that because now thinking back, it's important in every aspect. It's important with your staff, it's important with your clients, it's important with your suppliers, everyone. You know, if you're vibing, it means you're on the same frequency. It means you're on the same page. It means you have a similar outlook, a similar goal set. Um, you can truly work in symbiosis with each yeah. other, and that makes that elevates you both. And and it's something we don't often talk about. And I love that you mentioned that. It, it kind of opens up the door to so many things, even just interactions with with people. How how important is vibe and Can you create that artificially? I'm not sure, but it happens quite magically in certain situations, especially when you're talking about um, this thing that people call a dirty word now, and that's networking, (laughs) (laughs) especially in our industry. Um, A lot of time is spent networking and people talk about networking. And tell us, Emma, why do you think that that is actually an important part of our industry and to, to help us elevate together?
1: So I think networking gets a really bad rap and I hate the word networking. (laughs) It just reminds me of like that person who's wheedling their way next to the CEO, getting the best seat at the table and being like, oh, just cringe, like total cringe. And I think um, as a British person where we're so like (laughs) standoffish, for me, it's like the worst. And I hate the thought of walking into a room knowing nobody, but once you do it, you build brave muscle. I'm actually working through this with one of my kids at the moment, building his brave muscle. And it is a muscle within your brain that you can train to not hate walking into situations where you don't know people and to really embrace that space, right? So where we at Murad don't call retailing, retailing, we talk about educating. I think that what we need to do is really rebrand networking and talk about it more as like making connections and those connections really (laughs) yeah and the vibe and the connections they really have the power to transform business and the industry right and so that's what you guys at abic are doing you're creating these vibes and these connections that really enable people to drive the industry forward and on a micro basis to drive their own business forward because you're giving them that knowledge that they can then Um, apply to create what is going to be so dramatically transforming for them. Networking, I guess, or these connections can really be everything. So it's literally walking into your local coffee shop when you have a clinic down the road and talking to them and talking to them about what you offer and the services that you have and inviting people in. Um, It's taking a seat on industry boards. It's going to events. It's keeping you top of mind and keeping industry top of your mind as you go through everything you do. So I guess from my side, there are kind of some top tips in terms of networking that I have found really useful for myself, because as I said, like, I'm not the person to walk into a room and be like, hi, everyone, it's me. But active listening is really key, right? So you don't have to be the loudest person in the room. You don't have to be the cleverest person in the room. You don't have to know the answer to everything. And nobody knows the answer to everything, right? My best thing is put your hand up and say, I don't know, but let me find out for you. So quite often I have that when I'm having global meetings, they'll say, what's your ROI on whatever? And I'm like, I don't know at the moment, but let me come back to you on that and making sure that you're coming back. So the follow-up. So active listening, finding yourself a mentor and then using them correctly. So really maximizing the time that you have with them, keeping them on their toes, and then also finding somebody that you can help as a mentee and really sharing your experience of the industry, right? Because that can be networking itself. And you never know where somebody is going to go to in their career. I feel like at the moment as well, a lot of stuff has been offline, online. And so I think we really need to embrace that online experience. Mm -hmm. So reaching out to somebody via LinkedIn, which I think is really underused within the beauty industry and can be a huge opportunity. And also you can do these things while you're in your PJs, which is like super liberating, right? Instead of having to be full face, ready to go. You can just be behind a screen, which also I think for people like me makes it a little bit more accessible because you're you're kind of not so out there. You're kind of half out there um, sharing your work. LinkedIn, I think, is a great place to share your work and to share experience and to share before and afters. Um, and you never know where those things are going to lead, particularly in a space where you've got more business engaged people. And then obviously getting off your butt and getting yourself involved in, in real life. Experiences. So, industry events are huge and they have been so pivotal to Murad's success in 2023. And so, we have basically in 2023 grown our professional business by 250% more new accounts than wow. we had in 2022. Which has been incredible because we've been embracing all kinds of networking, whether that be online or offline. And we kicked off with ABIC in February of 23. And we're going to be rounding up our year by planning for ABIC 2024 in February again. So we are super excited that we have been able to event across all of the different states. And now ABIC's coming to New South Wales in February, which we are very excited about. So, in terms of how I feel about networking, the word itself, ick, awful the actual experience fabulous and you have to do it
0: you have to you you, once you actually do it as you said the nerves beforehand the anticipation beforehand the thought of it can be for some people you know some people even it could be crippling but when you go out and do it the fun the reward the acceptance and the knowledge that you gain from people and honestly when, when you're talking about vibe the vibe is incredible because everybody's on the same page everybody's on that mission everybody's there to learn um, and be engaged and so there's such a wonderful sense of acceptance and community at those events I know at the ABIC event in February we couldn't believe how much unity and community we felt and how many strong connections were built there and how successful it was all around.
1: And I mentioned to you at the time, I think that the great thing about that ABIC experience, obviously it was the inaugural event. Nobody knew how it was going to go. It was buzzing. And I loved that everybody shared this journey, that everyone was in the same education streams. Everybody got to see the same thing. Obviously you have a slightly different take on it because of your own lens. Mm. But I loved that everybody got to see who you guys were, and also how you're really building this future of the industry, which is the um, ultimate goal of ABIC, right? It's securing the future of beauty and kind of takes on all of those things that we've talked about so far today, like the the regulations, the branding piece, the HR, staffing, um, how you retain clients, plus the education, which is obviously a really huge part of what you guys are, are pushing for as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, we are we are very focused on elevating all businesses within our industry. And as you were saying, it it you know, so many women in our industry and so many women benefit from this. And I think that's a really important thing that we can do is hold networking events and spaces for everybody in our industry to come together, not for profit, not because yeah. we want to make an event because we're event planners or we are, you know, sure there are events out there maybe that are, you know, bells and whistles and you know all these things but our events work because the focus um is pure play education it is pure play connection and elevation of your standards and and you know of your own business and of your own own brand Uh, for not for a reason just not for a profit for to give back to the industry and that's why abic is so special because it is that it does come from that angle every single time and yes rely on when you come to one of these events or when you're a member of ABIC, which you are such a huge um, supporter and one of our really strong foundation members. And one of the reasons why we exist is because of our foundation members and the support we give you. So, you know, we just want to thank Murad so much for supporting the industry, supporting professionals by being a foundation member and being the reason that we can exist
1: yeah well thanks for having us because we think that you guys are super fun and we are all for the industry um professionally you're doing incredible things for um small business medium business for us as well and you keep us all accountable so thank you for that and as i said um the event was super fun last year so looking forward to more champagne this year
0: And looking well, forward, I say this year 2024, right? I know <laughs> it's only a few months away, guys. Well, um, Emma, it has been a pleasure, and it always is a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for imparting all of your wisdom, um, probably just a one percent of that wisdom that comes through. So, we'd love to have you on again to help us to, to really elevate um, our businesses. Thank you, Emma, for coming.
1: Fabulous, thanks, Steph.
0: You've reached the end of another episode of the Beauty by Abic podcast, your online support community for the aesthetic and beauty industry. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stay connected.